This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with Graham Williams and Christina Stoyanova. We have a fantastic program for you today. If you want to know all about the latest and greatest apps for your smartphone, tablet, or TV, this is the show you need to listen to. We'll also be talking about some uh, app-related uh, news and stories. Uh, we've got a great uh, guest on later, Angela uh, Crocker. She will be talking about uh, the story out of uh, the UK. The UK Privacy Commissioner is looking at uh, holding the social media giants to task, including Facebook and Snapchat, as they target children. Uh, They have uh, a lot of uh, things that uh, keep children engaged in their platforms uh, in almost an addictive way, and they're looking to cut down on that. We'll understand uh, what that's all about and what we can do to uh, help our kids. Let's talk about some of the uh, app news this week, uh, guys. And one of the big ones, uh, a great article on 9to5Mac.com, the App Store analytics show we're losing our appetite for new apps. I want to quote Elon Musk here. Uh, He made his comment about the internet in general, uh, not so much mobile apps, but it kind of holds water to this uh, as well. And he said, I think most of the important stuff on the internet has been built. There will be continued innovation for sure, but the great problems of the internet have essentially been solved. And uh, what we're looking at in this particular story is that uh, we're not uh, really downloading or as engaged in apps as we used to be. Well, I think this is kind of right. I know for myself personally, my app habits have changed quite a bit. Actually, even since we started recording this show, I look back and, you know, the the urge to go and find new apps is kind of, it's been, it's subsided a little bit. And let's think about the way that you've used your computer for the last couple of decades. I mean, which word processor do you use? Word. Chris? Word. Word. So this, word is, kind of, this, this is kind of it. There was sort of this gold rush to get into this space. Right, and we saw a ton of people get in there, and you know they've called out things like Spotify and Ways that have provided solutions that are really, really good. And we're starting to see this change in the app store. You know, two, two or three years ago, the average age of your top thirty apps is around two years old. Now we're getting to the point where the average age of these apps is between you know four to five years old, which means that a lot of these top thirty apps have been entrenched in that top space for a very, very long time. Um, you know, we take a look at Netflix. They've only just dropped out of the number one earnings spot because they no longer have uh, subscriptions in app on iOS. Uh, the top earning app right now, you guys know, know what it is? No. Tinder. <laughs> no way, really? <laughs> yeah. Tinder. But that, that's only because Netflix has fallen off in that space. So- and because we spend way too much time on our devices and apparently we don't meet people in real life anymore. <laughs> Taking a swipe at a bunch of people out there using the Tinder, I hear you. But so here's, here's the question. What was the last sort of new app that you were excited to download? Can you think? It's a great question. Oh, this show is done. <laughs> this show is done. But here's the thing is like, when we start thinking about the apps that we are using right now, I look forward to app updates. Right? There's lots of really cool stuff that happens with the apps that we use. They just kind of keep getting better and better. Um, I'm using an app called Apollo right now to browse Reddit. And this is made by one guy. His name's Christian. Um, and he's got his own little subreddit to discuss this stuff. Uh, he's very involved in his community. And every month you get a new app icon that you can choose to use on iOS. It's an iOS-only app. There's plenty of Android uh, Reddit apps out there. But this app's actually really cool. And and it's almost the software updates that are starting to become more exciting than finding new and different apps, because it's almost like the apps that you've used before have become new and different because they've got great new features. So 
the question is, do we have a need for new apps or do we have a need for apps that continue to evolve? Well, I think I think it's going to be a bit of both. Uh, there's no question that the whole market has uh, matured over the years. Uh, and I take that back. One of the more exciting apps I've downloaded uh, is the BC Lotto app. Oh, okay. Well, I go with my mom a lot. Uh, you know, we go to the pubs and stuff and she plays Kino. Oh, neat. And now I can basically scan her ticket with the app to see if it's a winner or not. Well, that's brilliant. I, I don't have to walk up like a sucker to the machine to to scan it. And this, same with my lottery tickets I buy, my 649, what have you. Th- th- this is progress right here. So here's the interesting thing. About this story, though, they've said that uh, there are some interesting places where we're still starting to see growth. And it's not necessarily mobile apps, but things like Alexa Skills. Yes. Uh, and, you know, for the, for the smart speakers. Yeah. So and I mean, voice assistants. We saw the gold rush into the iOS space and the Google Play space. Now we're starting to see this into, you know, smart speaker and smart assistant skills and talents. And I think maybe that is where the next generation of app evolution goes. Let's move on to another story. Uh, this was uh, interesting uh, on the nextweb.com. Uh, they reviewed a book called The Simulation Hypothesis, uh, written by uh, Rizwan Verk. And he is. Uh, Uh, postulating that we are basically living in the matrix. If you remember the movie, uh, we are all computer simulations uh, inside some big computer. That would make a lot of sense. I feel like every once in a while I need antivirus. Uh, Sometimes my hard drive needs defragging. So yeah, I'm I'm done with that. Chris? Uh, Yeah, I'm feeling like this is a little bit of a an out there theory bit of a stretch a bit of a stretch for me but are you telling me that you would not want to learn kung fu if somebody could download that into your head um i think there are probably a long list of other things that i would learn first but i would learn kung fu for sure (laughs) we'd get there someday i'm sure (laughs) so like tax planning you know fashion design and just straight up kung fu uh i would love to be able to draw can someone download that for me no your program is broken yeah i've seen you draw i don't know if that can be fixed beyond stick people i yeah speaking of app updates procreate on the ipad actually just got a really cool texture update so if you're looking to draw that might be a good place to start we need to get you an ipad with procreate are we all just uh, a simulation uh in his book he also uh says that uh angels might be artificial intelligence looking out for us oh that's interesting sort of like a you know a guardian program in the system do you ever see the tv show reboot yes so that was developed here in british columbia right it was beautiful 3d animation i think there's kind of a move afoot to see if they can bring this thing back but uh that was sort of a, a formative show for me uh you know the the evil megabyte and i think there was hexadecimal was also one of the bad guys i'm I sorry w- they're bringing reboot back i, th- I hope so I've, that's what i've heard does ytv even exist anymore that's a good question it does it does. It's, it's now an app. You're obviously not watching <laughs> youth television program anymore, which is great. I mean, you've made a big leap. Let's move on to the next story. Uh, this is a big uh, news story for the geeks out there. Uh, Apple and Qualcomm have dropped all lawsuits in a surprise settlement this week. So uh, maybe you did know this or maybe you didn't. Uh, Apple and Qualcomm have been uh, battling uh, over uh, patent licensing uh, over the past uh a uh, little while here. So they've actually reached an agreement uh, where uh, they have uh, got a six-year global patent licensing agreement can be extended for another two years. They've also agreed for Qualcomm to supply parts to Apple for many years to come, which likely means its modems will once again appear in the iPhone. So th- this is actually, this was a shocker. 
I mean, we were expecting both of these companies to come out swinging, to take big chunks out of each other. Um, this was going to be a tough one. We saw with the most recent set of iPhones, they had Intel modems in them. Yes. Um, and so seeing this now where, because Qualcomm has some really phenomenal 5G modems, uh, and Apple has been hesitant to commit to the 5G space. So this actually could bode well for them hitting their 2020 deadline with a 5G modem that actually performs the way that they want it to. I wonder when we'll see a 5G modem in an iPhone. 2020? I think 2020. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the 5G networks haven't really rolled out uh, in their entirety yet. Uh, we're still a ways away in Canada uh, and probably at least three or four years away from like a major uh, penetration in, in the market. So I know there are some companies, uh, Samsung and Huawei, uh, that are rolling out 5G phones, but uh, they really won't uh, work to their full potential yet. Yeah. And I mean, in a lot of net places where that 5G network is right now, it's actually not doing what it's supposed to do. So, you know what? Time will tell. But I think 5G is the future. It's just not quite here yet. Are you worried about your kids spending too much time on Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat? Well, the UK government uh, is trying to do something about that. When we come back from the break, we'll find out how and uh, what we can do to protect the kids. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here in studio. Want to talk about social media now when it comes to the under 18-year-old set, the kids, the teens. There's uh, been uh, a recent uh, announcement from the UK Privacy Commissioner about uh, potentially regulating the use of social media for kids, specifically for Facebook and Instagram when it comes to likes and uh, Snapchat and uh, the streaks function uh, that it has. Uh, they're basically saying that uh, for under 18-year-olds, they would like uh, Facebook to kind of regulate how Facebook likes and Instagram likes uh, work uh, when it comes to underage uh, kids and teens uh, and not collecting their private information. And for Snapchat, uh, they've uh, also said that they would like to get rid of uh, what are called streaks. Uh, these are essentially what uh, the kids do. Uh, they get rewarded uh, through Snapchat for keeping a, a message streak or a direct message streak going with their uh, their friends. On the line to help us understand uh, the impact of all of this, uh, we've got a great guest. Her name is uh, Angela Crocker. She is a digital guru. She's a uh, speaker, an author, an educator. And I, I really want to thank you for joining us on the program today, Angela. Absolutely. My pleasure, Mike. Thanks for having me. I, I found this interesting. Uh, the UK seems to be very concerned about uh, how social media is uh, affecting uh, the kids. Uh, they want to do away with uh, what they call nudge techniques and reward loops, uh, you know, getting chil children further into using social media. What do you think of all this? Well, I think we're at a time when regulators are looking to respond to society's concerns about how children and teens are learning to use digital I find it challenging that they're looking to do it through regulation. Uh, I think that there are lots of workarounds. For example, currently on Facebook, you cannot have a Facebook account unless you're 13, but the only cross-check to that is the birthday that you report. So there are many children on there who have just simply lied about their birthday. Like like all uh, my like all them. like my all my children. There you go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> So I wonder about the, the value of regulation. I do think it's important that we have these discussions at the family level, community level, nationally, internationally. Uh, but regulating every single aspect of it, it sort of creates this administrative nightmare. Uh, I do think that the, the platforms, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, or others, 
uh, should look at uh, this notion of collecting uh, private information about minors. That is absolutely of concern. And these behavior-driven uh, sort of app functions, if you will, like the streaks, the leveling up in games that are meant to keep us all engaged online, really revisiting how those functionalities work is a good idea, but I'm still not convinced that regulation is the way to go. Do you think there's maybe part of the solution is a bit of regulations? You know, some of the things you're talking about, uh, you know, calling for high privacy settings to be on by default and uh, what they call robust age verification mechanisms. Uh, I don't know how that will work, but do you think there is a place for some regulation? I do, I do. And I think that some regulation is useful. Uh, and it's an, uh, a big conversation that I think teachers and parents have to be part of in children and teens' lives. Uh, I'm currently working on a book called Digital Life Skills for Youth, and I'm coming at it from a place where parents want to do the best that they can, teachers and schools want to do the best that they can, uh, but we're floundering. Social media in particular is only 10, maybe 15 years old, depending when you decide to start its birth date. And this is the first generation of kids that are growing up with these kinds of tools, these kinds of systems available to them. And their parents are in this wild west, if you will. We've got to figure out, I'm a mom myself. If you don't quite know how things are going to work with children, we're all experimenting and we can learn from one another. And that may be one of the areas where these new rules and regulations can help, where research-based decisions rather than emotional or cultural fear-based decisions are made. Don't you think so, though, some of these these tech giants, uh, these social media sites, have some social responsibility when it comes to kids and teens? You know, I look at Snapchat. uh, You know, they rolled out a new feature that was kind of location-based. You could see where all your friends were. It was turned on automatically by default. Uh, I mean, don't you think someone there should have given their their head a shake and and thought maybe that should be an opt-in thing? I agree, absolutely. I would love to see many more functions be opt-in, location sharing, um, information sharing, uh, friending functionality to have some cross-checks and balances there as people are connecting. Um, Until kids have learned skills that allow them to know that that account is a fake account or a a suspicious person or even a bot, uh, they don't have those, those discerning skills when they're first getting started in social media. It's kind of like teaching a child to swim. You can't throw them in the pool and assume they're going to swim. They need to learn how to float first. Similarly, when they're exploring the online world, they need to understand how interpersonal relationships work, um, how it's affecting their health, their sleep, uh, how it's impacting their offline relationships, and how they're conducting themselves online. It's a huge amount of learning. It, It doesn't just suddenly magically happen when you reach whatever age is the authorized age for a given social media platform. I have to take a step back here, Angela. I'm a father of three kids. They're older now. They're like 18, 20, and 23, so uh, they're getting into their adult years. But, you know, it has been a challenge when it comes to their online use and personas and social media. Do you think, as a society, as parents, we have enough information uh, and education and the will to actually help our children? uh, Or do we really need the government to help regulate this? It's hard to say for sure if we have enough information. I think the information changes so quickly. Just look at digital marketing and how much that's evolved over the last even five years, even the last six months. For parents to be able to know what to do, they have to have an interest. And unfortunately, there is this huge gap that's happening, particularly here in British Columbia, where 
teachers are being given digital curriculum, digital literacy, digital citizenship topics, which they may or may not have training to teach about, and some parents are relying on that teaching. Meanwhile, some teachers feel ill-equipped to teach digital anything, and they're relying on parents to create those skills in children. How can we fill the gap? And that might be an area where regulation comes into play, whether it's through curriculum or more formal privacy laws or other restrictions as the UK law is proposing. I'm wondering if it should be a mandatory part of curriculum that, you know, in school, in elementary school uh, and in middle and high school, that there are specific uh, classes uh, that, uh, that, that deal with this. Because obviously it's an important part of, of their lives now. I mean, everything is so connected now, and I don't think they always have the, the tools to navigate that properly. I agree, and I'm happy to say that that is actually happening. Uh, British Columbia in particular rolled out a new curriculum starting in 2016, and digital citizenship and online communication skills are among the competencies that students are now being exposed to. Uh, in fact, my son, who is in the seventh grade, wrote an essay recently about digital citizenship, uh, and he's now given me permission to quote his essay in the book that I'm writing, which I think is just <laughs> absolutely wonderful that his opinion he feels kids should be part of it. <laughs> that No, that is uh, that is something amazing. We're talking with Angela Crocker. You can get more information about her at AngelaCrocker.com. Author, educator, speaker about all things uh, digital. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely my pleasure. Anytime, Mike. Glad to talk to you. When we come back from the break, you've still got lots more here on the app show. We're going to be doing the Hot 5 app countdown. This week it's the Hot 5 podcasting apps. Have you been thinking about creating your own podcast? Uh, you have to listen to this. We've got some great apps that can make it easy for you. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with the App Show. Mike Eggerbo here with Graham Williams and Christina Stoyanova. You know what time it is. The Weekly App Hot 5. This week, it's the Hot 5 podcast listening apps. I might have been a little wrong in the last segment saying it's for making podcasts. We'll do that next week best podcast making apps but this week it's for listening to them starting and you call yourself the host of this show you know it's a lot of stuff going on a lot of stuff but you know what i'm excited because these are great apps for listening to podcasts uh number five we have stitcher this is uh, free on ios and android and one of the useful things with stitcher is the ability to search for episodes not just entire podcasts you can create playlists find new podcasts listen to news and much much more it's free and it offers a premium subscription uh, service for just $4.99 a month to remove ads and to listen to original shows. It uh, has won many best of awards uh, as well. Number four on the Hot 5 app countdown this week, we're talking about podcast listening apps. And this is courtesy of podcastinsights.com. We've got Podbean. Podbean is an app that's available free on iOS and Android. It's actually a podcast hosting company that also offers a podcast app and also an Alexa skill. This app is easy to navigate and use with hundreds of five-star reviews. And if you want to create your own podcast using your phone, this app will let you do that and upload to to a Podbean hosting account. That's what makes this one unique because you can both create and listen to different podcasts right in one app. Talking about the Hot 5 podcast listening apps this week, uh, we've got CastBox at number three. And so CastBox is available for free on iOS and Android. It's a brand new addition for uh, 2018 and 2019. They've got some really impressive features and some very impressive reviews as well. They've won a ton of best of awards, both from Apple and from Google. And... uh, 
best thing about this, they have an Amazon Alexa skill. This is kind of neat. I love that. Yeah. Um, you can also listen to it on your Apple Watch or with CarPlay. So that is CastBox on iOS and Android. We're heading down the list here. Number two, we've got Pocket Casts. Pocket Casts will set you back about $4 on both iOS and Android, but it's an awesome app for people who listen to a lot of different podcasts. It has a great user interface with light and dark themes, sorry, uh, and a useful search and filtering option. Some of its other highlights include trimming silences, which, which lets you speed up the speed of your podcasts, as well as variable speed, uh, volume boost, and some Apple Watch support. Very, very cool. And the number one uh, podcast listening app, uh, app this week is Radio Public. So Radio Public is an absolutely beautiful app. Again, it's available for iOS and Android. It's free, and it doesn't even require an account or to log into anything. It's actually got a full directory of podcasts available for you. So you can stream and download episodes for listening offline. You can add private RSS feeds, which is a feature that not all apps uh, have. And you have a ton of other features to listen to here as well as being able to skip forwards and backwards and bookmark sections in a podcast for later listening. So this is a really cool little app, and it is called Radio Public. And again, it's on iOS and Android, and it's free. Thanks, guys. Uh, well, now let's learn something about our iOS devices. Uh, Graham, uh, we've uh, got a great tip this week. Yeah, our iOS tip of this week is turning off ad tracking. So this is an important one. Yes. Uh, we actually saw earlier this week that Opera has come out and asked Apple to go even further on this because there is a unique identifier for each of our iPhones out there that allows advertisers to track what it is that you do, but it kind of anonymizes you a little bit because it separates who you are from your actual device. Opera is actually asking Apple to disconnect that unique identifier uh, and change it out for people on a monthly basis. So basically you become anonymous on a monthly basis with your iPhone. We'll see if Apple will actually do that. But in the meantime, you can actually turn off or limit ad tracking uh, by going to settings, privacy, and advertising. If you turn on the switch there, you'll limit ad tracking. And you can also turn off location-based ads by going to settings, privacy, location services, system services, and turning off location-based Apple ads. Super easy. <laughs> super. They make it super easy to do this. So basically the big one here, settings, privacy, and look for the stuff under there. It's amazing at how much they bury some of these uh, these settings, uh, you know, not just in Apple here, but Facebook and, you know, the other social sites because they need you to be tracked yeah. so that they can make lots of money. The big one that got me was being able to turn off location tracking with Google ads and then realizing that if you had Google Maps installed, it was still doing it anyway. That was the thing that got me. I was pretty frustrated. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a trackable uh, world. So when we come back from the break, uh, we're going to find out uh, how we can e-cycle our devices. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of old cell phones and smartphones. I have a drawer full of old crappy cell phones that are just useless other than sitting in a museum. Uh, we will uh, tell you how you can e-cycle them and uh, make sure that they're recycled responsibly and properly. You're listening to that show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with the program. Uh, well, uh, I'm a big tech geek, and uh, over the years, I have collected a large number of uh, gadgets that uh, are basically sitting in my garage and uh, need to be recycled. They don't really have any resale value anymore. Do you just throw them away? How do you recycle them? So many questions. We've got an expert on the line. His name is Sammy Ahmed. Thanks for joining us today, Sammy. 
Hey, pleasure to be here, Mike. Uh, want to talk about uh, what they call e-cycling and uh, even uh, yes. trading in devices. Uh, what do we mean by e-cycling? Uh, well, e-cycling, Mike, is a process where you uh, basically bring in your electronics to, to Best Buy. Uh, we offer a service uh, at all our locations where you drop off any of those old electronics sitting in your garage that you don't have any need of. Um, and, you know, in certain cases, we actually trade in these devices and give our customers some value back. Let's talk about some of the devices uh, that people can bring back. I mean, is it basically anything electronic if they've got a printer or a laptop or an old hard drive? I mean, what what kind of devices are you seeing? You got it. Uh, you know what? Anything from old A-tracks, boom boxes, wires, CD players, uh, batteries, cell phones, ink cartridges, printers, whatever, you name it, you bring it uh, over to Best Buy. Uh, we, we do ask that, you know, if you have anything broken up, uh, you know, you, you put it in a box or, uh, you know, if you if you have something uh, that, that's dirty, you clean it up uh, before you bring it in, but uh, available at all of our lo- locations and, and you can bring it in. You even mentioned wires. Uh, I've got like literally cases of wires sitting in my garage that I thought one day I'm going to need this cable. Uh, you take those back as well. We do take the wires back, yes. My God, that'll clean up at least uh, three or four uh, boxes uh, in uh, in my house. Um, so, what do you guys do with them once you get it? That's a, that's a great question. Um, so, you know, Mike, what, what what we do is we uh, we actually partner up with parties such as eCycle Solutions, uh, Call to Recycle across Canada uh, to to get these items uh, uh, recycled. Um, and, you know, they follow a sustainable, uh, eco-friendly process uh, that often results in uh, more recycling. So breaking the items down to separate them for more useful re- resources, uh, in certain cases, refurbishment of, of, of products. Um, and, you know, electronic recycling companies are continuously testing uh, new and innovative ways to sustainable practices in the, in the industry. And obviously, we're happy to partner up with them and, and help them out with these. Uh, you also mentioned you had a trade-in program uh, as well. Uh, what does uh, that look like? So the trade-in program is pretty cool. Um, you know, you you bring in uh, tech, as you mentioned, uh, that has a little bit of value, but, uh, you know, uh, you have no use for it. And, and we assess that uh, in-store and even online to, to give you a particular value back for it. We give it back in a form of a gift card where you can then use it towards any new tech that you want to purchase from Best Buy. Very cool. So this would even include mobile devices like smartphones as well. Exactly. Uh, it, it includes uh, cell phones. It includes gaming consoles, uh, a whole list of devices. You can actually check more into it at bestbuy.ca for further details. Uh, again, select products and select locations. will have the trade-in uh, offer eligible. We're talking with our good friend Sami uh, Ahmed from Best Buy about their e-cycling and trade-in program. Is there a place uh, on the web they can find out more information about this, Sami? Absolutely. Uh, BestBuy.ca has all the information with regards to our trade-in and our recycling program. Are you going to give me money for all my old wires? Absolutely. (laughs) But maybe not wires, but definitely your cell phones, definitely your gaming consoles. Bring them in and we'll uh, look at the value that you're eligible for. That is fantastic news. Thanks again for joining us today. You got it. Thanks, Mike. We come back from the break. We've got a lot more to talk about. Stay tuned. You are back with the app show. We still got uh, a few more apps to talk about. Before we get to those uh, apps, uh, I want to talk about sexting. And uh, when we are talking about sexting, we bring up our sexting expert, uh, Christina. (laughs) 
Uh, wow. Now. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Uh, did you see that coming? <laughs> I knew that was coming. I don't know how to do it. So uh, I'm glad you're really up on this. Uh, so this is kind of interesting. Uh, if you are maybe not so good at sexting and you want to practice and are too embarrassed to practice on another human being, being uh, there are bots now you can do this with. Yes, this is called slut bot. <laughs> No, Slubot. I'm sorry. I inserted that T there. <laughs> That's great. I, I should. Yeah. We should, should probably restart. No, you're going to keep going. Keep going. Slubox. No, Slubot. Slubot. Okay. Um, no, it's no, it's Slutbot. I'm looking at the article you're referencing. It is Slutbot. Oh, well then. And it was created by online sex coaching app Juicebox. <laughs> You know, we're going to get all sorts of emails about this. So let's just keep going. Tell us about it. Um, so it is a, a bot that you can sext with and it will basically uh, reply to you so that you have some um, some practice time there. If, if you wanted to talk to bots and dirty talk to bots, wouldn't you just install Tinder? <laughs> well, that's so you're dealing with human beings again. Are you um, No, there are a lot of bots on Tinder. But what I found interesting about this, there are two learning paths here, slow and sensual or hot and heavy. <laughs> you know, I am intrigued by this service. Uh, the name is not so great. And again, we didn't name this. We're just saying what it is, uh, Slutbot. Um, and again, it's to help teach you how to do sexting. This is, this is how I, Skynet kind of makes its inroads here. Is we, it? We don't see it coming. Oof. Um, so the service is free, apparently. You can start texting it right now by writing, again, we did not name this, Slutbot to 415-650-0395. Uh, again, you can Google that if you didn't get the number down in the first place. Graham, I'm going to challenge you to yeah. test this out in okay. the coming week okay. and report back to us. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. is I'm going to see if I can actually uh, chat with this in iambic pentameter. Because that really is the only way to see if this thing is smart enough to... I got nothing. I really don't. <laughs> no? no? Okay. We, but we want to know okay. how it goes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Next show, we'll talk about it. As the resident writer, I will give that a shot. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's move on. Uh, we have a travel app of the week, Christina. What do we have? We have an app called Local Eats, and this is available for free on iOS. This is a great little tool that curates dining guides created for travelers and local diners who prefer local businesses rather than chain restaurants. I like that because, you know, when I am traveling uh, to some of these cities, I hate going to chain restaurants. I want to visit like, you know, the... You want to get a feel for the yeah. city, not uh, not the same old thing that you can get even in Vancouver. I know, I know. Uh, so... What cities does this cover? This actually is mostly based in the U.S. So if you're traveling around the U.S. and you're heading to metropolitan metropolitan areas, this is your best bet here. And Mike, I know you do a lot of New York and um, Las Vegas. So this is a great way for you to explore those places. I, I like it. Uh, Graham, what do you've got for what have you got for us this week? This week, I actually have a really cool video game. Okay, uh, so this is called Day of the Tentacle Remastered. 
Day of the Tentacle. This is, I've heard this game before. This is an old game, isn't yes, it? Yes, this, this is actually a game that came out in 1993 uh, from a, uh, a game creator named Ron Gilbert. He created okay. uh, The Secret of Monkey Island. Oh, yes, yes. Isn't, wasn't this for Lucasfilm back in the yeah, day? Yeah, LucasArts was the name of the, of, Arts, the, yeah. uh, of the the game studio based on Lucasfilm. So they had some Star Wars games, and they did one game called Maniac Mansion, which yes. was very, very popular. Uh, and then uh, Day of the Tentacle was the sequel to this. And uh, it's a really, really fun game. It's an adventure game, a point-and-click game where you have to try to solve puzzles. And the puzzles are incredibly difficult uh, for some of us, <laughs> definitely for me. Um, and so it has been remastered with hand-drawn, high-resolution artwork, remastered audio, music, and sound effects. But here's the cool thing is you can actually switch back to the original look and feel of the game by pressing a button. So if you want to have that 1993 feel, you can. And if you want to have the updated feel, you can do that as well. It is $6.99. It's available for iOS on iPhone and iPad. Uh, and it's one that I would absolutely recommend. It's got a 4.5 out of 5 uh, set of reviews uh, because people absolutely love this game. So that's Day of the Tentacle Remastered. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this story Uh it's about illegal uh, downloading. Uh, I'm hoping that's kind of going down now with all the available uh, streaming services like Netflix and and Crave, but uh, it looks like they're kind of upping their game here in Canada and some of the uh, movie studios uh, are going to the federal court of Canada uh, to obtain uh, customers exact name and address based on their IPs from the ISP. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, it's. I mean, this is this has not been a concern for me for quite some time. Uh, I've got all of the streaming subscription services. Uh, the interesting thing, though, is we're starting to see again the growth of these subscription services. So where we used to have eight dollars a month for Netflix, um, you know, I just got my notice from Crave that they want one hundred and twenty bucks off of me before the next year's worth of service, or two hundred dollars if I want to have HBO included. Um, I've, I've only got that for Star Trek Discovery, so I'm going to cancel it until the fall. But uh, yeah, I'm starting to see these bills creep up again. So I can see why people might be migrating back towards uh, getting the stuff for free. Uh, so they are basically sending out letters uh, asking for the maximum uh, amount, $5,000 under the law. Uh, but they're sending uh, basically to John Doe. They're not really addressing it uh, to the individual. Because again, you know, I, I just can't understand the legality of that. You know, when you have a number of people on on your home network, not only in your home, uh, and anyone could be using it, but also other people could hack into it. Yeah, and, and this becomes a challenge. Obviously, if they can show that there is a persistent set of behavior there where it's coming from one particular device on that network, uh, they may be able to make more of a case. But right now, uh, legally, it kind of is not a strong case. And so these notice and notice uh, letters are being ignored by a lot of Canadians. And I think the the advice right now is, you know, don't speak directly to these people. And if you are going to engage, then make sure you do so with the benefit of a lawyer on your side. So get a subscription service like Netflix uh, or Crave. I mean, there's so much content uh, on, on there now. So, uh, you know, there's not much reason to download uh, illegal content uh, anymore. Uh, another quick thing here, when we're talking about streaming Netflix, Netflix plans to begin testing a top 10 list for streaming customers in the UK. It'll allow them to see which shows and movies are currently the most popular across the service. Uh, The top 10 will be updated weekly uh, across each genre and uh, category. Um, it's, It's interesting how much people really use the suggested uh, uh, shows and movies, uh, you know, from from these streaming services like Netflix. My wife, for example, is just kind of sucked into that now. Mm, She's just watching show after show that comes up that populates on her list. So I always like, you know, occasionally putting some random crazy thing 
in there, like <laughs> a show about puppies or something, even though I'm sure she would like that too. But you know what? I find the best way to sort of uh, bomb your friend's preferences is to go onto the Netflix profiles when you're at their place and uh, choose Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol. That's straight up. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're going to get all sorts of crazy cartoons about animals. Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol. I love it. I'm going to do that. Looks like that's all the time we have left uh, for the app show this week. I want to thank uh, Graham and Christina, as always, for helping produce the show, putting it all together. Uh, And of course, uh, uh, we've got some new team members uh, as well. John Beeler has uh, been uh, very helpful uh, in helping us uh, get the content uh, going for the program. Don't forget to check out our podcasts up on uh, Apple iTunes uh, and also the Google Play Store and wherever you find your favorite podcasts, not only for the app show, but our sister show, Get Connected as well. This is Mike Graham and Christina signing off for the app show. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.